welcome to another episode of Monsters and Murder. I'm Sam. And I'm Shane. And hi. <laughs> Hello. We're recording on Saturday. We haven't mm-hmm. done this in a while. No, we haven't. It's always been weekdays for the past few episodes. Yeah, it feels a little bit weird. It does. <laughs> um, We're both super tired. <laughs> so I'm, I'm recovering from being sick with the severe sinus infection. Mm-hmm. Like, very scared I had COVID. But yeah. I didn't. Three tests confirm that I do not. Yay! And I was very happy to have those that confirmation as well. Yeah, I've just felt like poo. I've slept more the last week than I have probably the last two months. Like, because oh. you know I'm not a napper, but mm-hmm. it's been um, impossible. I worked a total of ten hours this mm-hmm. whole week, <laughs> but it's fine. Like my employer is really really cool about that. So, yay! Yeah, I'm feeling better. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't sound the greatest so if I sound kind of like nasally or like I'm sick it's because I'm nasally and I'm sick (laughs) so um but today's been a really good day like this is the best I've felt in a week Mm -hmm. and you decorated for fall today oh yeah I did this is my favorite time of year yes in our studio slash living room (laughs) yeah I feel like decorating for fall I I think I enjoy this almost more than Christmas because Christmas has like a different kind of like vibe Mm -hmm. but fall is just like cozy and relaxing and Christmas I mean there's lights and shiny yes. stuff so it's like exciting but it is and I am I think super excited for fall a lot earlier than I normally am and I still am enjoying the warm weather summer's my favorite season but I've been also getting in the fall mood I decorated on Animal Crossing for any listeners that are still playing that three years in I know we all do sometimes <laughs> um I put out the pin pentagram rug and set the dolls around it at the main points and then put the cpr dummy in the middle with candles so it looks like they're trying to raise him from the dead and i'm super proud of myself (laughs) and then i have one dolly in the corner set up with a um, psychic booth oh so i've thought about when i've been out looking at halloween decor Mm -hmm. um getting like a creepy doll and just hiding it in your room and seeing how long it takes (laughs) you to find it but i don't want you to get like Scared and then leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't leave. I think I would honestly find it really fast. Okay. Well, then maybe that will be a game. Next time, <laughs> we'll tell you how long it took Shane to find the creepy doll. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, I almost think it would be kind of fun until I don't find it one day until, like, the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then that would be terrifying. Okay. Well, that's going to be our new game. Tomorrow, I'm going to go out and get a creepy doll, hide it in your room, and mm-hmm. see how long it takes you to find it. <laughs> or maybe I'll wait till like, midweek when you've forgotten that I said I was going to do yes. that. Yes. And okay, I'll I, come home from rehearsal and then scream. <laughs> yeah, yep. And I won't even be panicked because I know why you're screaming. <laughs> so today was fun. It was, mm-hmm. it was a good week. It um, was. Well, it wasn't a good week for me, but anyway, it was a good it was, day today. <laughs> it was a good day today. So we can talk about something that's not good tonight because mm-hmm. my case is not good. Oh. Um, always give trigger warnings. Um, this one does involve the death of a teenager. So, if you don't want to hear about that, then completely understand. Shane will have something less sad next yes. week. And until then, you can go back and listen to Corny because it's our, I think it's our funniest episode. It is very funny. <laughs> when I saw the picture that you posted on our Instagram, at first I was like, who is that? And then I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I did a yep. double take. It was so funny. That's kind of, it's not even like a true depiction, but it was... It was from one of the articles I found and the only one that kind of had a picture of... It was really mm-hmm. funny. <laughs> it was really funny. So, anyway. Tonight, we'll go ahead and get started. 
and I'm going to tell you about the murder of Danielle Locklear. Okay, another one I don't know. <laughs> On the morning of March 11th, 2014, Danielle Locklear, she was running a little bit late for school, mm-hmm. so she got dressed, she walked downstairs, and she said goodbye to her grandmother Darlene, her aunt Chena, and her grandpa before she headed off to school. Now, that day, her grandmother and her aunt were going to head to Atlanta for mm-hmm. a doctor's appointment. So, that evening, it would just be Danielle and her grandfather at their home in Hope Mills, North Carolina. So, unfortunately, her grandmother and her aunt didn't know that when they left that day, that would be the last time they would ever see Danielle alive. Oh, wow. Right into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. As she walked out the door that morning, she turned and she told her grandmother that she loved her. Mm-hmm. And then, a little bit later that day, she would send text to her aunt china and like her aunt china was like kind of like a mom and a sister and an aunt and like a best friend like they were very Mm -hmm. close so she sent text messages to her say like just kind of joking around saying i can't believe you guys just up and left me with grandpa (laughs) the next morning as grandma darlene and aunt china are getting ready to leave atlanta they got a call from grandpa and he said that danielle never never came home the previous evening He said that the night before, as he was playing video games, Danielle came up beside him and said, hey, um, she called him Papa, can Mm -hmm. I take this binder over to Alexis? And Alexis is one of her friends that lived in, like, just a couple doors down in their um, Mm -hmm. subdivision. So, Grandpa was like, sure, no problem. Danielle was super responsible. So, she walked out the door, but never returned. That was at, like, 9.45 in the evening. He called and he texted, but he never got a response. Uh Uh-huh. And that was so unlike Danielle and just completely out of character that he actually got in his car and he was driving around Hope Mills looking for her until, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Before he went back home and went to bed and fell asleep. And he assumed and was hoping that Danielle would come back the Mm -hmm. next morning, but she didn't. And he told Darlene, like, he didn't call police because he believed that you had to wait 24 hours to file a missing persons report, mm-hmm. which you don't. Yeah. A lot of police departments, like, depending on where you are, generally you don't, especially if it's like a child or a teenager, mm-hmm. you don't have to wait 24 hours to no. file a missing person. Or 48 report. hours either, because I know that no. is an urban legend that's out there. That is, I mean, that's like waiting that long, you aren't. You, the chances of you finding that person ha- are severely mm-hmm. cut now. Yeah. <clears throat> so, he tells her that, and then her grandma's like, no, you need to call the police right now and file a missing persons report. So, before we get fully into the the search for Danielle, let's go back a little bit and learn a little bit more about her. Okay. Can I just also say I really liked that her grandfather was playing video games that night? <laughs> yeah, the, I thought of that, and I was like, that's so, like... I guess just because I don't associate, like, older men, like, in their 60s and 70s playing video games. So, I was like, oh, like, he must be young at heart. (laughs) Yeah, our generation, I will be the person. But our generation will, too. I think everyone will, but. I think when I'm 60 or 70, I'll just have, like, 15 cats. (laughs) That is my future life. Have 15 cats, eat a lot of bridge mix, Mm -hmm. and... And take naps. That sounds actually really good. (laughs) So, Danielle was born on July 10th, 1998 in Cumberland County, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. She was the only child of her mother, Rona. Growing up, Danielle was always really just like had a shiny and bright personality. She was always laughing. She loved spending time with her family and friends. Yes. 
she always had a smile on her face. Like, mm-hmm. she was one of those people, even as a kid, like, when she walked into a room, you could spot her in a crowd just because she was so, just, like, vibrant. Mm-hmm. She was a really kind person. She was always the first person to lend a hand if anybody needed help. Um, she loved arts and crafts, and she enjoyed baking. And she was really good at it, too. Like, she, at 15, was baking the majority of cakes for, like, all family get-togethers, birthdays, and they were delicious. That's awesome. <laughs> she also loved doing makeup, and she liked to make and share her tutorials on YouTube. Mm-hmm. She was very active on Snapchat, Instagram, and Facebook. But, I mean, aside from that, she was also very intelligent, and she did very well in school. Mm -hmm. In the summer of 2013, during her annual trip to stay with her grandparents in Hope Mills for the summer, Danielle met 17-year-old Jamichael Malloy at a church event. So, Danielle's great-aunt and Jamichael's family had known each other for a very long time. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she saw, like, Danielle and Jamichael hitting it off, she was like, oh, like, they would be a really good match. Because Danielle's, like, super driven, focused, smart. And Jamichael was the same. Uh-huh. Like, he was kind. He was smart. He was intelligent. He was an athlete. And he had dreams of going into the military. Mm-hmm. So, pretty quickly, Jamichael and Danielle became an item. And they, like, remained the same way. Like, yeah. the whole time she was there during the summer. But when it was time to go back home at the end of summer um, to Myrtle Beach, where she lived with her mom and her stepdad, mm-hmm. Danielle didn't want to go. She wanted to stay at her grandparents' house in Hope Mills um, because, you know, she has a love interest. And this is, like, her first serious boyfriend. And, like, she gets along great with her grandparents uh-huh. and her Gina. So, after speaking with her mom and her grandparents, it was agreed that Danielle would move in with her grandparents and Aunt Chena and start school at South Fork High School in the fall of 2013. Her mother had agreed to allow Danielle to move in with her grandparents. Like, because one, they were great parents to Rona and Mm -hmm. her her siblings as they were growing up. Um, But also, like... Rona and Danielle's stepfather were in the middle of a really sad divorce. Mm -hmm. And it was really, like, draining on the family. So, she didn't want Danielle to start out her high school career. And, I mean, it wasn't like, it didn't seem like it was a tumultuous divorce. It was just very sad. Yeah. And she didn't want Danielle to be experiencing that as she's, like, entering into high school. Yeah, high school was sad enough. Oh, my God. (laughs) Of all the things I would not do over, that is one of them. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> that is the TV season of our life that no one watched, no one liked, and you were almost canceled. <laughs> yeah. No, you were mm-hmm. a lot of times. <laughs> so, when she began her high school career, at, or her freshman year at South Fork, Danielle made friends instantly. Mm-hmm. Because, again, she was very vibrant. She was popular, and she was fun to be around. Like, kids were immediately drawn to her. And she fit in with everybody like she didn't have one specific group like she could go around and talk to anybody and be friends with them she um started being called danny by her friends mm-hmm. and though even though she and jamichael attended different high schools he went to a high school in fayetteville which was about 14 miles away yeah like it didn't really cause any wear on their relationship mm-hmm. like it was still perfectly fine um danielle had actually told her new friends caroline and alexis that she was planning on marrying jamichael <laughs> He was a senior, um, and she actually planned to follow him when he went into the military. So, what she wanted to do is finish out her freshman year while he graduated, 
And then she wanted to start taking online classes her sophomore year so she could essentially move with him and be mm-hmm. with him. Um, and But she had, like, she made straight A's. And she was in ROTC. Like, she was driven, focused. Like, she would have succeeded in an online learning environment. Yeah. Living with her grandparents and her Aunt Gina had actually been, like, a really easy transition for everybody. Um, but just, like, Danielle was so easygoing. She was relaxed. And, like, her family was just... Like, they were very close. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the fact that she left and she never came back home on the evening of March 11th was immediately concerning. Yeah. And, like, the whole drive back from Atlanta, Gina and her grandmother, Dan, Dan Darlene, were, like, trying to get in touch with her. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, they couldn't. Um, and then when they got home, detectives were already there questioning her grandpa. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to know, like... Did Danielle have any reason to run away? Would she have run away? And her family was like, no, like, this that's completely out of character mm-hmm. for her. The officer that arrived on the scene was, like, suspicious of Grandpa immediately because Grandpa didn't call the police. And he said that, you know, Danielle didn't leave until, like, 945. And, there were, you know, the officers were like, why would you let a 15-year-old leave at 10 o'clock? on a school night Mm -hmm. and then not call police until the next day. And he was like, well, you know, he admitted, like, I was playing video games. I was pretty (laughs) caught up. Like, and I didn't realize what time it was because if I had known it was almost 10 o'clock, I would have told her, no, you can wait until tomorrow to give that to her. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's like, and I didn't call police until the next day because I thought I had to wait 24 hours to file a missing persons report. As they were questioning the family, uh, Gina actually remembered that something that was kind of odd that happened just like a few nights before Danielle uh-huh. disappeared. So as Gina was pulling into the driveway that evening, she saw Danielle kind of running towards the driveway from behind the subdivision where the homes that they lived in were was. Mm-hmm. And she was like out of breath, like she had been running. Yeah. And when Gina asked her what she had been doing back there, Danielle's like, oh, like. There's a creek back there, and some kids, like, they hang out, and they've been wanting me to come back there and hang out. And so I just, that's where I was. I was back there hanging out with some kids from school. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, investigators were, would come to learn that the creek was a very popular hangout for teens. Like, they would go there, they would skip school, and, like, it was, the kids would, on, like, warm days, would sneak off school property. Uh-huh. And walk to the creek. So, Chena was like, you know what, let's just... It's within walking distance, apparently. So, let's just walk over there and see if we find anything. So, Gina and one of the detectives started walking towards the area where she had seen Danielle, like, running from. Mm-hmm. She wasn't exactly sure, like, where it was. Yeah. So, when they saw a teenager walking towards them from that area, she asked. And the kid was like, oh, yeah, like, there's a creek back there. And he, like, gave him directions. So, they go over there. They followed along the path. And before long, they did discover there was, like, a creek hidden behind the subdivision. Completely, if if you just looked out in your backyard, you would not know mm-hmm. that this was there. Like, it was the perfect hiding spot for a group of teenagers on a spring day uh-huh. that did not want to be in class. <laughs> and it was within walking distance from their school. Yeah, and maybe probably some of their houses. Yeah, it was the ideal spot for mm-hmm. skipping class. It's so funny that they just went to a creek, but small towns, or I guess, honestly, North Carolina towns, I should say. Yeah, was there, like, a popular, like, hangout spot that wasn't, you know, 
Like, you wouldn't assume it would be a popular hangout spot? No. I mean, like, we had skipping trails behind our school that led down to the mall because that was still kind of pseudo a thing, which, you know, I'm showing my age here. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people would hang out kind of on the skipping trails because they were just, like, on the hill. Our high school was directly like beside a walmart <laughs> and so a lot of people would get in trouble for skipping to go to walmart mm -hmm. and hang out in the walmart parking lot and it became such a problem that they did two things um the manager of walmart called our principal and basically banned anybody like that was a high school student just hanging out in the parking lot in their truck uh -huh. during the middle of the day and they started locking the doors beside our cafeteria because that's where everybody snuck out from mm -hmm. started having them went so they locked so if you went out like you could get out but you couldn't get back in so yeah. you were essentially locking yourself out mm -hmm. and you would have to come in through the main entrance where everybody would see you <laughs> so i don't think they actually solved a problem i think people just instead of skipping a few periods they skipped the rest of the day yeah i was getting ready to say like walmart parking lot was a big hangout spot for high schoolers when i was in high school but everyone skipped to the mall because of convenience. Like, Walmart was close, but not that close. Close. It was a little walk. Yeah. The town you grew up in was just eensy, eensy bit bigger than where I grew up. <laughs> and by eensy bit, I mean, like, not bigger yes. at all. Now the high school's moved, and what used to be the skipping trails is an apartment complex. <laughs> and what used to be the mall has, like, two stores in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They do have a Panera, so... I know. They're both sports stores and Panera and Belk. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we've got Ulta now, too. Yes. But anyway. Um, so, as they're walking around looking for Danielle, they saw something that made them stop in their tracks. Scratched in the sand was the word help. Oh, no. And it was initially alarming for both Chena and the investigators. Like, they were thinking maybe Danielle had been stuck out here mm -hmm. and she was, you know, riding help. But the more they looked at it, it was it was apparent that the person that had written the message had actually taken their time doing so. So, it was very, like, neatly written. Mm -hmm. Well, as neatly written as it could be in sand with a stick. <laughs> um, so, after that, they were just like, you know, that probably was not something that Danielle had written. Yeah, high schoolers are like that. Whether it be in the dirt, in the sand, on walls, in the bathroom stalls. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, so they started walking back down the trail towards the subdivision. And as they were doing that, Chena did find something that was actually very concerning. She found one of Danielle's socks that she always wore to bed. <gasps> and Chena knew it belonged to Danielle because Chena had actually bought those socks for Danielle. Oh, so no. she knew it was her. That was physical evidence that at some point, Danielle had been there. And she had been there at night because she mm -hmm. only wore those socks at night. Mm-hmm. So now they had to call Rona and tell her that Danielle was missing. When they told Rona that Danielle was missing, she was just kind of like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean she's missing? Yeah. So Rona called Danielle, didn't get an answer. So she just started throwing clothes in a bag and drove from Myrtle Beach to Hope Mills to help look for Danielle. Mm-hmm. Investigators also started talking to Danielle's friends, and her family was reaching out to them, too. Um, when they spoke with Alexis, it was confirmed, like, what they pretty much assumed. Danielle had not gone to Alexis' home that night. Like, the, Alexis wasn't even expecting her that night. Yeah. Um, but she admitted that she had seen her the day she disappeared. Unbeknownst to Danielle's grandparents and her aunt, Danielle had left school in the middle of the day and had actually walked over to the creek to hang out with her friends. 
Oh, no. When they spoke with her good friend Caroline, they discovered that a day or so before Danielle actually went missing, she had texted Caroline in the middle of gym class. Like, Mm -hmm. um, she was very upset. And when Caroline came to, you know, get her, uh, Danielle was crying. And she said that Jamichael had just broken up with her. And she was completely devastated. Yeah. Um, And so, that is when Danielle started asking about the creek. And, like, Mm -hmm. what did they do when they skipped? So, Caroline was like, I'll show it to you, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, It was kind of out of character for Danielle to ask about that and to do that. But she was young. And sometimes teenagers do things that are completely out of character. Mm -hmm. Especially when, you know, your emotions are running high. So, they found out that... She had skipped the day before she disappeared, and then she also skipped on the day she disappeared. She was actually seen on surveillance footage that they were reviewing afterwards, leaving the school, walking towards the creek. Mm-hmm. So, Caroline said that they just talked, and they hung out. Um, they just had a really good day at the creek. And yeah. then, before school was over, they snuck back into school. <laughs> So, when Chena and the detectives that were working in the case were able to view some photos of Danielle that had been taken on the day she disappeared by Alexis, they saw that she was wearing glasses mm-hmm. that were not hers. Oh. And, like, they zoomed in and they could see the reflection of four people in the glasses that Danielle was wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, like, investigators started looking for them, but it was pretty easy to, like, figure out who was at the creek with Danielle that day. So, um, they're reaching out to the kids, and while they're doing that, they also reached out to Jamichael. And he came down to the station uh, to be questioned, and he provided, you know, a lot of information. Mm-hmm. He told investigators that he actually hadn't spoken to Danielle in a couple of days because they had broken up. And when they broke up, he said that Danielle really did not take it well. Like yeah. she was driving past his house, continually calling him. <laughs> and he said that it was so bad that he actually blocked her phone number. Ooh. He also said, like, he, you know, I did love her, but mm-hmm. things just were not working. And he said that he knew, like, I, I knew she was really upset and she was really depressed. Yeah. He also said that in the weeks before she disappeared, she had actually been expressing a desire to move back to South Carolina because she felt like she was a burden on her grandmother. And he said, you know, I will do whatever I can to help you find her. I still love her. I Mm -hmm. want her to come back. Um, So he told investigators that on the night that Danielle went missing, he was actually at home studying in his room for the SATs with his friend Dominic. Mm-hmm. Um, and his mother and his grandmother confirmed, like, yeah, he was home that night. Danielle also com- um, corroborated that. Um, Jermichael willingly turned over his cell phone to investigators. When they looked at the text messages that had taken place between Jermichael and Danielle in the days before she disappeared, um, they were concerned um, because Danielle had told Jermichael that she had taken a pregnancy test and that she was pregnant. Oh, no. And it was pretty evident from the text messages that Jermichael was not happy Mm -hmm. about that. Um, So the two began arguing via text messages. And from reading the text messages, it became pretty evident that Jermichael thought Danielle was making everything up. And he was kind of just like, I'm I'm not talking to you. Uh Um, So looking through the messages that were sent on the day or the night Danielle disappeared, they found that Jermichael had actually sent several text messages to friends and to other girls. In that same time frame when Danielle was believed to have gone missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they pinged the location of where those text messages were sent, they were sent from Jamichael's home. Mm-hmm. 
So investigators, in hopes of getting a better idea of where Danielle had gone um, the evening she disappeared, they subpoenaed her phone records. So based on the tracking information that they got from those records, they saw that Danielle's phone had pinged a couple times when she disappeared. Okay. Um, they started out in her neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then it very quickly began to travel north. Um, they could see, like, the last ping was around 1040, close to a tower on I-95. Mm-hmm. And it was evident based on where her phone was going and the distance it was traveling and as quickly as it was traveling that Danielle was not doing this by foot. She had to have been in a car. Okay. Or her phone had to have been in a car. Mm-hmm. So they drive out to the area. Looked for her phone, didn't find anything. And they were really worried because I-95 travels, like, it goes through multiple states along the East Coast. So, investigators knew if she is on I-95, she could be anywhere. Mm -hmm. And this lended, you know, to the theory that maybe Danielle had actually been walking to Alexis's house and had gotten abducted. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, she could be Anywhere. anywhere along the East Coast. So, it was at this time that the FBI and federal authorities were called in to help search for Danielle. As they located and questioned some of the other teens that were at the creek on March 11th, they kept hearing the name Derek. Mm-hmm. And that maybe Derek had something to do with Danielle's disappearance. They heard a couple times, like, maybe Derek had a thing for Danielle, and she was like, I'm not interested. He was at the creek that day. And they thought, you know, maybe he had been hitting on her and she rejected his advances. Mm -hmm. So they brought Derek in for questioning. Now, Derek was around the same age as Danielle, but he was not in school. But he still hung out with high schoolers. Yeah. Um, He had a reputation for being kind of a jerk and like... (laughs) A badass, like he was not um, the most clean-cut kid. Mm-hmm. So he admitted, like, yeah, I was on the at the creek on March 11th. He actually said he was one of the founders of the creek, and they were like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm like one of the first people that started hanging out there and getting kids <laughs> to come to the creek." Yeah, but you're not a founder of the actual creek that existed yeah. before you. <laughs> I wonder if you could put that on your resume. <laughs> founder of the creek. I want to see. Are there pictures of the creek? Yes, there are. Okay, I'll show you. So, um, he denied, he's like, yeah, I was at the creek that day, but I did not hit on Danielle. And when asked specifically about it, he agreed that Danielle was pretty, but he said he thought she was too much of a goody goody. (laughs) And he said he did not hang out with goody goodies because they tend to be snitches. And then he went on to share, like, he was really honest Mm -hmm. with police. And he's like, I'm going to be honest with you. I do illegal things and I know I do. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm assuming he probably meant, like, underage drinking or drugs. He didn't really elaborate on that. Yeah, like, that's but that's what I'm thinking as well, yeah. and that's what you would think from a teenager. Well, he could have meant he was downloading movies and music without paying true. for them. Like, well, I and, mean, he, and he could be selling drugs. Yeah, that's true. Um, when asked about his whereabouts that evening, he said he'd been home alone, mm-hmm. playing games online and watching TV. Um, his dad had left early in the evening, so it had just been him at the house. Um, When they got the tracking data from Danielle's phone, it didn't just lead to the possible theory of an abduction. Um, It also led to the theory that maybe Derek was involved because that last ping on I-95 was really close to Derek's house. Mm. So detectives mentioned that information to Derek that Danielle's phone last pinged very close to his house. They were throwing out, like, did your friends 
bring her to your house. And Derek's like, no, we've never hung out before. She mm-hmm. didn't know where I live. And they were like, well, maybe your friends brought her there. He's like, no, like I was by myself that night. You can look at my computer. I was playing video games all night. So he was, he was really adamant that uh-huh. he and Danielle were not close. She'd never been to his house. He was not responsible for her disappearance. Mm-hmm. And he appeared to be pretty straightforward with police. Um, they didn't have enough to hold him, so he was released. But they were able to obtain a search warrant for his home. And during that search warrant, they found a shovel that appeared to have blood on the handle. But when that sample was sent off for testing, it turned out to not be blood. Mm-hmm. And during a conversation with Caroline, Danielle's friend, um, but she was also a close friend of yeah. Derek. Caroline told investigators that she did not see Derek kidding on Danielle at all that day at the creek. Mm-hmm. Um, she admitted, like, yeah, Derek doesn't have a great reputation, but he really just acts tough, and he's actually pretty soft on the inside. <laughs> so when investigators, like, they couldn't fully clear him as a suspect, but they did begin to explore other ideas. Mm-hmm. They looked deeper into the abduction theory, and soon, with the help of the FBI and federal authorities, Danielle's face was all over local and national news. Um, you know, it was up on billboards, on TV. Her friends and her family were holding searches for her. They had a balloon release in her honor. And the whole town came out. Jermichael was there. Um, and he actually had, like, helped, like, in the searches, too. Mm-hmm. So, everybody was just trying to find her. Um, her disappearance was really just devastating for everybody that knew her and for the community as a whole. Days turned into weeks and still no sign of her. Um, and then they get a tip that there was a possible sighting of her at, like, a Waffle House in a different state. Uh-huh. So, immediately, investigators that were working Danielle's case got on the call with F- FBI agents in that state. Um, and those agents drove to the restaurant, sat outside, and they're like, yeah, this looks exactly like her. So, investigators working her case were thinking, we found her. That's mm-hmm. it. She probably, you know, for whatever reason, took off. Maybe she did get abducted. But when those FBI agents were able to go inside the restaurant and talk to the woman, it was not Danielle. Oh. But it was it looked so much like her that all the FBI investigators in that car thought it was her. Mm-hmm. Some people have doppelgangers like that. Very much they do. Uh, Chena began to wonder maybe, like maybe Danielle really did run off. Um, at the balloon release, Jamichael had approached Chena and he had told her like, I know Danielle's been really depressed since mm-hmm. we broke up. Um, he mentioned that Danielle had even said she was thinking about hurting herself by mm. drowning herself in the river. And Gina could not fathom Danielle ever saying anything like that. Yeah. Um, in the days that were leading up to when she disappeared, Danielle was acting completely normal. Mm-hmm. Like, very happy, laughing, smiling, just joking around, just being her, her normal self. And so, she... When they found out, because they did find out that Jamichael had told them that Danielle thought she was pregnant, um, it was a complete shock to the mm-hmm. family because Danielle hadn't mentioned anything like that. She hadn't mentioned that she thought she was pregnant. She hadn't mentioned that she, you know, was depressed. She wasn't acting depressed. And again, a person can be depressed and have thoughts of harming themselves and nobody know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but Chena didn't think that was what was happening with Danielle. And so she's like, maybe, maybe she did run away. And so she started seeing things around the house that she thought might, may have been missing. Like, 
oh, I haven't seen this t-shirt in a while or mm-hmm. I haven't seen this pair of jeans. And maybe she did pack up some stuff and leave. Mm-hmm. So on April 2nd, 2014, 22 days after Danielle disappeared, an off-duty officer was taking a long road home so he could drive past his favorite fishing spot along the South River. And as he's driving along, he slows down, like he got on this bridge, and looked out over the water. And he had these special glasses. I didn't know that they made these. But Mm -hmm. apparently, fishermen can buy special glasses that, I guess, reduces the glare of the sun on the water so Uh they can see in the water better. So he puts on his fancy glasses and looks out in the water, and he sees something floating in it. Oh, no. And it looked like, from where he was at, it looked like to be a body. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he called 911 because he was off duty. And yeah. he asked, if there's an officer in the area that has a pair of binoculars, can they please come and just let me look to make mm-hmm. sure this is not a body. So, pretty quickly, officer arrives, gets out the binoculars, and when he looks down into the water to get a better look, he saw dark hair floating in the water. Ugh. Crime scene technicians were called in to recover the body, and the lead investigator that had been working Danielle's case arrived on the scene. As the body was pulled from the water, the lead detective on Danielle's case recognized the t-shirt as the one Danielle had been wearing in those photos that were taken of her on the last day that she was seen. Mm. So, sorry, what? No, I just going to say, it's so sad. Yeah. I don't, it's my least favorite part of the story. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So, even though they had to wait for the lab to provide a positive DNA match, like, he knew they had found Danielle. Mm hmm And it was evident from the state of her body that she had basically been in the water for as long as she'd been missing. Her body had been tied down with a yellow rope to two very distinct-looking cinder blocks. Cinder blocks. Blocks. What's a blocks? (laughs) Uh, Cinder blocks. And, um, so, the... There was one tied around her waist and one tied around her feet. And they could tell just by looking at the cinder blocks that they were older. Mm-hmm. Um, they they weren't like the newer ones that were made with just pure cement. They was they were made with coarse gravel. Uh-huh. So when you look at them, you could see like the different particles of the gravel okay. that was made. So you could see like the flecks of different colors. Mm-hmm. I remember those. Yeah. This is kind of gruesome. So if you don't want to hear it, skip ahead like 10 seconds. Inside Danielle's mouth, they found her other sock. Um, The cause of death would later be determined to be asphyxiation, but the autopsy couldn't provide if the sock being stuffed in her mouth or strangulation was the cause of death or if it was a combination of of both of them. The location of Danielle's body when it was found... Um, definitely concerned police. Mm-hmm. It pulled their attention away from Derek because it was quite a bit away from where he was at. Um, and at the time, Derek didn't have a license. So if he had done this to Danielle, that meant he would have had to had to have gotten someone else mm-hmm. involved to help him dispose of the body. Uh-huh. Um, the location, however, was just down the road from someone else that was very well known to Danielle, her ex-boyfriend, Jamichael Malloy. Oh, no. Her body was found 20 miles away from Hope Mills, mm-hmm. but only one mile away from where Jamichael lived. Oh, not good. No. So, detectives wanted to speak with him again, and he came back into the police station. And this time, he was accompanied by his mother because he was still a minor at the time. Mm-hmm. He adamantly denied being involved in Danielle's death. 
And he asked investigators, he's like, do you guys think I'm a smart kid? And the investigator said, yeah. And he said, well, if I'm such a smart kid, if you think I am, why would I dump her body just down the road from my house? Mm -hmm. And the investigator said, well, that's generally how it goes. Perpetrators don't want to travel too far outside of their comfort zone. And while he's being questioned, um, detectives were able to obtain a search warrant and follow through with that search warrant on Jamichael's home. Mm-hmm. And Jamichael and his mother were not aware at like during the interview that this was happening until it was they were told me to interview that their home was being searched. And when Jamichael found out that his home was being searched, in the footage of the interrogation, you can see his demeanor like visibly change Mm. like he was worried Mm -hmm. and he had reason to be worried because during their search of the property investigators found a group of cinder blocks that looked exactly like the ones that were found tied to danielle's body and not only that they found indentations in the dirt where there had been two cinder blocks sitting that were no longer there danielle was tied down with two cinder blocks yeah And inside of a storage shed, they found yellow rope that looked to be identical to the yellow rope used to tie those cinder blocks to Danielle. Mm. And when this information was relayed to Jamichael, he, again, completely denied it. Completely denied it. Yeah. And I felt so bad for his mom um, because at one point the investigator walks out and his mom's talking to him. And she was like, how did her body get there? And he's like, I don't know. She's like, somebody could be trying to frame you. And um, she breaks down crying, and she's told him she loved him. And he's just like, it's going to be okay. And I just, I feel bad for his mom because she had no idea Mm -hmm. what had gone on. So police brought Dominic in for questioning. And remember, Dominic is the friend that claimed to be studying with Jamichael on the evening of March 11th when Danielle disappeared. Oh, that's right. Okay, I totally forgot about him. Yeah, Um, but he wouldn't say anything. So, police tried approaching both boys to let them know, like, we know that you guys are involved. We mm-hmm. don't know how, but we know that you are. And generally, if more than one person is involved, the person that speaks first is generally able to get a better deal and have less charges brought against them. Mm-hmm. They were hoping that, like, if the kids knew that, one of them would crack. And they didn't have to wait long. Because four days later, Jamichael's attorney reached out and said that he wanted to bring... Jamichael in because Jamichael wanted to confess. And he did. Wow. Yeah. Jamichael said that on the evening of March 11th, he and Dominic were at his house. They drove over to Danielle's home and Jamichael had thrown rocks at her window until she opened it. Mm-hmm. And he asked her to come out and meet him. That's when Danielle walked downstairs and asked her grandpa if she could take the binder back to Alexis. Once outside, Jamichael and Danielle walked down to the creek And investigators wanted to know, if you'd broken up with her a few days before, why did you want to meet with her? Exactly. And he said that um, because Danielle had sent him that text message saying she was pregnant, he wanted Danielle to take a pregnancy test in front of him. And when they got to the creek, they got into an argument. Um, Jamichael said that Danielle slapped him. Mm -hmm. And then he said at that point he began choking her and he blacked out. He said when he came to, Danielle was dead. So he yelled out to Dominic. um, And Dominic came down to the creek and helped him carry Danielle's body. And they put it in the trunk. 
And he said as they were loading Danielle's body into the trunk, she was kind of making a sound. So Danielle took Dominic took Danielle's other sock and stuffed it in her mouth so nobody would hear. So she wasn't dead. I don't yet. know um, because after you die, there are sounds that leave your body. True. Um, and so, you know, it could be like air or gas mm -hmm. or something trapped. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know if she was, I, and I know this sounds awful, but I hope that is not how she yeah, died. Yeah. Um, after they got her body in the trunk, they went to Jamichael's home, tied the cinder blocks to her body and then took her body to the South river where they dumped it over the side of the bridge and promised that they would never speak about it again. Um, and I do want to mention that when Danielle's body was autopsied, she was not pregnant. Investigators don't know if she thought at one point she may have been. Mm -hmm. Or if she was just saying that to Jamichael to get his attention. Yeah. Because it, she was 15. Yeah. And, and your mind isn't fully developed, so you might make rash decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, having the search end for Danielle mm -hmm. so tragically was just... A complete devastation, and that's an understatement mm -hmm. for her family and her friends. Like, her mother shared how difficult it was to comprehend that Danielle was actually gone. After the news had been broken to Rona that the body found in the South River was Danielle, she said she laid in bed and she was just staring at the ceiling, asking herself, you know, did this investigator just tell me what this investigator told me? Like, am I really having to plan a funeral for my child? Mm-hmm. And it, it was very difficult to watch that um, interview with her mom because her mom just was breaking down. And losing Danielle was painful enough, but knowing how she died and who killed her was, it made it even more difficult because Jamichael and Danielle's family had known each other for years. At one point, Jamichael had claimed to love Danielle mm -hmm. and he'd been very active in the searches for her, knowing all this time where exactly she where she was. Um, police found out that on the evening that Danielle was killed, Jamichael's mother and grandmother had only seen him go into his room. Mm -hmm. They couldn't confirm that he'd stayed there the whole evening. Yeah. And that's in no way saying that they were, like, trying to cover up for him. Yeah, or absolutely. Knew he it doesn't was sound gone. like it. Um, you know, all I'm saying is that the alibi that he thought he had was not as good as he thought it was. No. Um, but investigators were stumped because they had pulled his phone records. Mm -hmm. And he, his phone was like pinging from a tower at the time Danielle was killed from his house. Um, a forensic computer analyst was finally able to provide an answer for that. Okay. It turns out that Jamichael had downloaded an app, an app where he could schedule text messages to be sent out at a at a time later. Mm -hmm. So he was, he scheduled those text messages to be sent out at the time when he was leaving his house to go kill Danielle. Um, investigators saw that and because of it, they wanted to charge him with first degree murder because that was evidence of premeditation. Exactly. And the whole claim of him saying that he blacked out, well, one of the investigators had taken him down to the creek mm -hmm. because he didn't believe Jamichael blacked out. I mean, he he scheduled text messages to be sent the same time Danielle, like, he yeah. knew he was going to be killing her. And if you didn't think you were going to be killing her, you just wanted to talk to her, you wouldn't have scheduled text mm -mm. messages to be sent out. 
And you wouldn't have left your phone at home. You would no. have driven to her house and you would have called her or texted her and said, hey, I'm outside. Can you come meet me? And he did not do that. No. And what year are we in again? 2014. Okay, yeah, no. Teens do not separate Mm-mm. from their phones. No. If nobody separates from their phones. <laughs> this is true. Um, so, an investigator took him to the creek and mm-hmm. he, he was just like, you know, okay, Jermichael, close your eyes. Walk me through this. Because they were trying to determine how long he thought he was choking her. Mm-hmm. And so, Jermichael closed his eyes and, you know, told him, okay, I'm starting to choke her now. And so, a minute had passed. And then, another minute. And he hadn't said that he was done choking her. And he was still, it went on for a while until his attorney stopped it. And his attorney stopped it because the investigator realized he's actually remembering, like, Mm -hmm. how long it took to choke her. He did not black out. He was 100% aware of what was happening. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, so again, they thought it was premeditation. However, they were not sure that a jury would feel that way. Mm-hmm. And because of that, if they tried him for first degree murder and the jury found him guilty of a lesser charge, he could be out. Like if they found him guilty for manslaughter or whatever, he could be out of prison in just a few years. So for that reason, he was able to plead guilty to second degree murder and was sentenced to 25 to 31 years in prison. Good. Dominic Locke um, was essentially going to be charged with the same thing, but he was actually able to plead down to um, guilty to accessory to murder, Mm -hmm. and he was sentenced to six to eight years in prison. I didn't look that up, but that could mean that he's already out of prison or getting ready to be released because they were sentenced in 2016. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that is the case of Danielle Locklear. It, it, uh, the, I, I wonder if she, like, if she really thought she was pregnant and, or if she was trying to get attention. And I'm not saying anything bad about her. Like, no. she did not deserve it. And when you're a teenager, you're not thinking clearly. You're no. not thinking, like, saying this or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. is, um, you know, not the best decision. But you don't make good decisions when you're that no. age. And so I just, I feel so bad that her life was cut so short because of of him. Yeah. And investigators think, you know, he didn't want to be a dad. Mm-hmm. And having a baby, he thought probably would have derailed his military career or at least delayed it. Mm-hmm. And rather than taking that chance that she was pregnant, he killed her because he didn't want to have a baby. Which just put an end to any hopes that he had of getting in the military. I just, I don't want, there were so many other things Mm -hmm. that he could have done other than what he chose to do. Yeah. I mean, for one thing, he could have just went and told her grandparents or like another adult. And, you know, maybe she took a test and had a false positive and they would have obviously probably been like, we need to take care of you. We're going to schedule doctor's appointments and it would come out that she wasn't pregnant. Well, I mean, even if, even if she was, if he didn't want to be a dad, don't be a dad. Yeah. Say, I will sign over my mm-hmm. rights. I don't want to have a kid. That too. I mean, that, that is an option. You mm-hmm. don't have to be a parent if you don't want to be a parent. Let no. people say what they're going to say. Walking away, as we talked about with the Cherish Albright mm-hmm. case, walking away is always better than ending someone's life because you don't want to be a parent. That's absolutely I don't even understand how you could think that's an idea. Yeah, it's, like, I mean, I get it. It's teenagers. Teenagers have sex whether we all want to admit it or not. Well, I mean, I I I think that we, 
I mean, we've come so far as a society, mm-hmm. but we still have so far to go. But making it something that people don't do until they're married yeah. or making it like taboo or mm-hmm. that it's wrong or whatever. I hope that if I ever become a parent, I would be more proactive and have those conversations with my kids and not make it something that's like weird or exactly. strange or whatever. Like mm-hmm. want my kids to be informed. And I mean, and Danielle's Graham, I mean, Danielle's aunt really was. Because when she found out that Danielle was wanting to become sexually active, she took her and got her on birth yeah. control. Like, she did the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I think, by making it something that is taboo, when situations like that do occur, it, I feel like kids are like, oh, gosh, you know, like, they panic. And, yeah. you know, maybe having a baby when you're 15 will make it much harder for mm-hmm. you. Um, but again, like there are options. You, if you don't want to be a parent, you don't have to be a parent. No, and it, I don't know. It just really upsets me that that's the option that he chose. Yeah. That's like you said, it's, he could have walked away. I mean, he could have not even taken the chance in the first place. You know, if he wanted to ensure that he would get into the military, he could have waited. Well, and at the, at the end of the day, it always comes out of this in my mind. Like, what are you truly gaining Mm-hmm. By taking that person's life. Yeah. Because you don't have a life now. You, you're you going to be in prison for mm-hmm. the next 25 years at least. What do you, what did you get out of it? Because you, maybe your life would have been harder if she had truly been pregnant. Yeah. But you would have been out. Mm-hmm. And she would still be here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, ugh. Yeah, it's, it was so pointless. All murders are pointless. Yeah, that but is it true. Just, like, the whole idea of and again like you know we talk about this all the time generally you are more likely to be murdered by somebody you know mm-hmm. than a stranger yeah and that is just i that's the scary thing that's the scary part of well i mean one of the scary parts of murder but it's there it's on the list that's why i have like five friends and my cats mm-hmm. i mean <laughs> if one of y'all kill me there's a very small pool to choose from <laughs> Anyway, and I don't. I don't mean to like make a lot of that. That's not no. what I'm trying to do at all. Um, but yeah, just it's very, very sad. Yeah, it's uh, another life taken far too early and yeah, soon. At fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen. Well, and like I said, it was in North Carolina, and I, I had no clue. I don't remember it though. Around that time, I was not the biggest TV fan. Anyway, I feel like if you when you see her face, you will recognize recognize her. her yeah, okay, I might. Yeah, I, might. I mean, she's very. Mm-hmm. very strikingly beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. it's a face that you, seriously, you would have been able to pick her out of a crowd. Yeah, wow. So, but, on that note, mm-hmm. do you want to tell people where they can connect with us? Yes. You can follow us on Instagram, interact with us there at Monsters and Murder Pod, or send us an email at monstersandmurderpod at gmail.com. You can also follow me on TikTok at Miller 11 Yes, did you forget your name there for a minute? I did. I did. I was thinking about it as I kind of said it. It's like, that's correct. That's the right one. That's my name. That's how I sign everything. <laughs> and you'll see some podcasts coming up there, content coming up there too. All right. Well, until next time. Stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.